Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be with you guys again today here via Zoom and on our Celebration Sunday. This is the the Sunday that we had... uh, hoped and is is our tradition to uh, have an Easter brunch together to to sit down and and share a a meal together and don't worry we will get back to that and uh, we're looking forward to to that Um, so anyway hopefully you're all able to enjoy Easter with your with your families today or if you are feeling by yourself that you're able to reach out and connect with with somebody this beautiful celebration day. Uh, So today we want to obviously talk uh, about the the resurrection. Uh, It is not challenging as a pastor to figure out what to talk about on, on, on this day. And I know that when I was growing up, coming to church on Easter was a little bit like, well, what's even the point, right? I know exactly what what story they're gonna tell. I know how it ends, no big deal. But as we remember the, the importance of continuing to remind ourselves of this truth, right? This truth doesn't change, but we need to be continually grounded in the reality that Jesus is alive, that he rose from the dead. And because of that, we have new life, right? We are able to step into full and abundant lives. So we celebrate that today. And today what I want to do is just share this story, this familiar story, from the perspective of Peter. And so we're going to look at a couple of different passages and just talk about how Peter approached uh, the death and the resurrection and the encounters that he had with Jesus before and after. So join me, if you will, turning to Luke chapter 24, verse Uh, starting in verse 1. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, The women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. 
So it's the, really the, the details that we see within this uh, resurrection account that we see in all four Gospels that speaks to its veracity or speaks to the, the truth of this story. Right? What we see here is that even though Jesus over and over again tells his disciples, tells his followers, I will be crucified and on the third day I will be raised again. But in what we see is that nobody is expecting a resurrection. Everybody is grieving. Everybody is scared. Everybody is at a loss as to what to do. And we see the, the disciples, the, the 11 that are, that are supposed to be, you know, if you were writing this story after the fact, like these are going to be the heroes of our story. They are going to, in the face of trouble and, and persecution, they're going to be strong and go out and boldly tell the truth, right? But we find our heroes hiding. Maybe the, 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 the curtains are all pulled and it's just silent. They're, they're scared, right? They've just seen their, their leader, their Messiah crucified. They're probably nervous, right? What if the, the Romans and the Pharisees decide, well, getting rid of Jesus wasn't enough. We better get rid of some of the others as well to really drive this point home. Right, they're sitting in this room and maybe somebody had gone out and got some, some takeout and they're just kind of sitting at the table, but nobody's really hungry. Everybody's just trying to figure out, is it time to flee? Is it time to run away? What, whatever happened to the women? Weren't there women with us? Right? But what we see in the story is that it's the women that had gone out. They had left the security of this upper room to go out to honor Jesus. And if we were making this story up after the fact, you would never use women in this way, right? Because women were second class. Their testimony wasn't allowed in, in the court, right? If you're writing the story, you would never use women to be the proclaimers of the truth. And yet that is what happened and that is what we see. It is the, the women who are the first Apostles. Apostles in, in, in the Greek means sent one, right? And so we, we know of the 11, the 12 apostles sent to proclaim the good news of Jesus all over the, the known world. But it is the women who are the first sent ones sent to proclaim the resurrected Jesus to the men. And what happens when they get back to the, to the, to the room? The men don't believe them. You ladies are crazy. But Peter does something different. Right? His reaction is different from the other 12, the other 11. And why is that? Certainly he was feeling that same grief that the rest of them were, that same confusion, that, that same kind of just troubled, I don't, this is not where I expected to be. I don't know how to move forward. But on top of that, Peter is feeling this guilt and this shame. Because Peter had denied Jesus. Many of us know the story that, that Jesus uh, said what was going to, to happen. And Peter said, no matter what happens, I'm going to stand with you. I will fight for you. Though the, the forces of, of hell come against us, I am with you, Jesus. But Peter denies Jesus, not once, not twice, 
but three times. And he runs away, weeping, because he knows that he's let down Jesus, his friend. And so Peter, in his confusion, jumps up, leaves the room, and runs to the tomb. We're going to turn over to the Gospel of John, and we see that John also joins him, racing for the tomb. Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 3. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. And so the tomb is empty. Peter and, and John arrive there and they both run eventually into the tomb and they see the grave clothes laying there empty. Question, what had happened? What is going on? And just imagine their minds just kind of spinning, trying to put all the, the pieces together, right? If somebody stole the body, right, why would they leave the, the grave clothes behind? How did they get past the guards, right? Wasn't there a, a, a Roman seal placed on the, on the tomb? You know, how did they push the stone away? Who had taken it, right? Is this some sort of a, of a practical joke? And Peter doesn't know what to think, but, but John, he sees the empty tomb, he sees the empty linen clothes, and he believes. It seems like there's still some confusion, but he believes somehow something miraculous has happened. But Peter goes away confused, not able to reconcile what is happening. Because Peter knows Jesus is dead. All my hopes, all my dreams, all my expectations are dead. I saw them put the crown of thorns on his head. I saw them beat him 39 times. I saw him carrying his cross. I saw them nailing his hands to the beams and his feet. I, I, I saw them stab a, a spear through his side. I, I heard him cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I saw it all. I saw Jesus die. And then I saw him placed in the tomb. And for me, and I think for many of us, it's pretty easy to identify with Peter. Peter, the betrayer. Peter, the coward. Peter had said that he would lay his life down for Jesus, but instead he denies him. He let down his friend. He turned his back on Jesus when he needed him the most. And as I think about this betrayal, I think of 
times in my life where I've let people down, maybe on purpose or accidentally. And just that, that, that grief, that uh, emptiness, that grossness that you feel that, that peace, Peter must have felt. I'm reminded of the story of, of Julius Caesar when he was rising to, to power in, in Rome and all the, the senators were nervous about him having too much power, they conspired against him. And in Brutus, Julius Caesar's friend, this, this young man that Caesar had protected, had kept from getting killed earlier in the story. His, his good friend, but Brutus was was part of the conspirators. He was one of the assassins. And as the, the story goes, uh, uh, Caesar was stabbed 23 times by these conspirators. And the, the story goes, he's fighting against everybody, but eventually he sees that Brutus is one. And as Shakespeare uh, writes, he said, et tu, Brute. You too, Brutus. And at that point, he gave up. Such a betrayal. And of course, it's hard to think of, of betrayal without thinking of Lando Calrissian, right? Han and Leia and, and Chewie are looking for some place to, to get the, uh, the Millennium Falcon repaired. And so Han's like, oh, I know a guy. He can keep us under the radar. He can keep us safe from the Empire. And they, they land at Cloud City and Lando welcomes them and they feeds them and gives them some fresh clothes. And they go to dinner and we find out that Lando has been working with Darth Vader the whole time. Lando betrays them. Right? And so we, we understand Betrayal. We understand that we are that person sometimes, that we've done that. And Peter felt like a conspirator. He felt like he had aligned himself in some way with the Pharisees and the Romans to kill Jesus. Right? He felt like I am the reason or I'm part of the reason that, that Jesus is dead. And he was. And so am I. And so are you. Each and every one of us. Jesus died on the cross because of us. Paul says in Romans chapter 3, he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? We are all sinners. We are born in sin. We are broken. We are far from God. He is perfectly holy and glorious and we cannot approach him in our sinfulness. But this is the reason Jesus went to the cross. Stuart Townend, it is a great song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, says, It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. It was my sin and it was your sin. It was the sin of the world that drove Jesus to the cross. But this is how Paul continues. He says, yeah, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. 
Right? Just like Peter looks at the cross, knowing that he is the one that caused Jesus to go there, we do the same thing. Right? We know that it was our sin that drove Jesus to the cross, but we rejoice, especially on this day, on Celebration Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate that Jesus died for me. While I was his enemy, while I was shaking my fist at him, while I was rejecting him and living life my own way, Jesus died for me. Paul says elsewhere in his letter to Titus, he says, at one time we too were foolish. We were disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another, right? That's our old nature. That is us before Jesus, broken and lost, far from God, living full of, of hatred, full of grossness, full of disobedience, full of deception, being enslaved by sin and death. Then in verse four, he says, but when the kindness and love of God, our savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. The mercy of Jesus saves us. We can't do anything to earn our way into the good graces, into the presence of God. But in Jesus, in Christ, through his death and resurrection, we step into his life. And we see at the end of the, the Gospel of John, after Peter has denied Jesus, after Peter has fallen as far as you can fall, he encounters Jesus at the very end of the Gospel. And many of us know the story where Jesus appears and says to, to Peter three times, Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? And then he says to Peter, Follow me, right? And this, uh, uh, an echo of the call that Peter received three years ago, come and follow me. Peter had not fallen too far to be invited back into the love of Jesus, into the family of God. And you have not done anything that will keep you from the love of Jesus today. Maybe you feel like a betrayer. Maybe you feel like a coward. Maybe you feel like lust has got a grip on you. Maybe you feel like uh, you're living a life of selfishness or gossip or whatever it is that you feel broken about. You know that you are lost in your sin. Well, today, Jesus says, come, follow me. It's a new day because of the cross. We were Jesus' enemies, but we're not anymore. We who were once lost are now found because of Jesus. We who were enemies are brought close because of the shed blood and the broken body of Jesus. We who were once dead in our sin are alive through resurrection power. Right? And that same power that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in us, bringing us new life. We step into the fullness of life. You are alive because Jesus is alive. 
You are forgiven, not because what you have done or because of what you will do, but because of Jesus's grace and mercy revealed spectacularly on the cross. We all deserve death, but now if we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, we have life. So how can we respond to this other than worship and thanksgiving? I'm going to end by singing a, a song that, uh, that uh, when I was growing up at Twin Lakes Reformed Church, uh, uh, a man by the name of Ben Dama sang it, maybe not every Easter, but many, many Easter's. And so I want to sing Don Francisco's He's Alive. But before I do, thanks, Jamie. Before I do, I want to invite you, if you are watching and you have never put your faith in Jesus, or maybe you grew up going to church with your parents or your grandparents, but you've walked away from him, today is the day that Jesus is saying to you, come, follow me. Step into abundant life. Step into peace and joy and love that will never let you down. So if that is you today, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner and I am in desperate need of your grace. I confess my sin. Jesus, I repent. And I put my faith, I put my trust in you, King Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And I commit to following you all the days of my life. Amen. And if you prayed that with me this morning and you meant it, I would love to walk, walk this out with you to, to show you how to, to kind of start this journey of life with, with Jesus. You can get a hold of me at mark at newdaycommunity.org. You can direct message me on Facebook, whatever you want to do. I would love to talk with you. And it's the best thing that you can do. It's radically changed my life radically changed my family's life, and I just know that Jesus wants to radically change your life for the better. So, amen. Would you join with me in singing one final song, He's Alive. And rose at every sound Half in hopeless sorrow Half in fear the day Would find the soldiers breaking through To drag us all away Just before the sunrise Heard something at the wall the gate began to rattle, and a voice began to call. I hurried to the window and looked down into the street. Expecting swords and torches, and the sound of soldiers' feet. 
her but Mary So I went down to let her in John stood there beside me As she told us where she'd been She said they moved him in the night And none of us know where The stone's been rolled away And now his body is in Just what I didn't know John believed a miracle But I just turned to go Circumstance and speculation Couldn't lift me very high Cause I'd seen them crucify him Then I saw him the house again, the guilt and anguish came. Everything I promised him just added to my shame. When at last it came to choices, I denied I knew his name. And even if he was alive, it wouldn't be the same. Filled with a strange and sweet perfume Light that came from everywhere Drove shadows from the room Jesus stood before me With his arms held on wide I fell down on my knees And just clung to him And as I looked him in his eyes Love was shining out of him Like sunlight in the skies Built in my confusion Disappeared in sweet release Every fear I'd ever had Just melted into
Jesus, we thank you that you are alive. Lord, we thank you that you have forgiven us and that you have invited us into this newness of life. We receive your resurrection power. We receive your resurrection life. Lord, and help us today to be bearers of that truth, to be witnesses to the goodness and the glory that you are alive. Jesus, we love you. Amen, amen, amen. Guys, thank you for joining us. Bless you. Have a phenomenal Easter, and we will see you next week.